1: Welcome to Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Kogel, and today a conversation about a wonderful HBO documentary. It's on the legendary Robin Williams, and it's called Robin Williams, Come Inside My Mind. It's about his life, his career, his family, his addictions, even his death. And I knew Robin Williams, interviewing him dozens of times over the years. And do I have stories to tell? And today, I'm happy to tell them.
2: I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Kogel. Robin Williams was a genius, and his life ended far too early due to his demons fighting depression, addiction, and sickness. With this, it doesn't seem right to pair a bottle of wine with this film. So instead, we'll toast his brilliant life with others who live life to its fullest. And love every minute of it the generous gracious people of spain sharing a bit about our recent trip to barcelona and Cava Land. but first gary let's talk about this film
1: yeah let's talk about robin williams in this documentary we both watched it together it's a two-hour documentary on hbo it's produced by alex gibney it's directed by a woman named marina Zenovich, and she's a two-time emmy award winner she did the documentaries the famous one on richard Pryor years ago And she did the one on Roman Polanski that's so complicated and interesting. And she's an award winner. But this one called Come Inside My Mind is really trying to get inside the head of Robin Williams a little bit about... Not only what thrilled him and how good his career was, what his personal life was like. Right. A lot of it in his own words, mm-hmm. using a lot of footage that I've never seen. Mm-hmm. And we we're talking about he was best friends with Bobcat Goldthwait, right? And we didn't know that, right? You know, I, we knew he hung out with Lance Armstrong a lot when you know because he was a, a bicycle guy. But you know, and Whoopi Goldberg and, and, Billy and Billy Crystal and 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 they're all in it. And also, I find it interesting that his son Zach is in the mm-hmm. film quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And it's very touching to hear him talk it's about so his so well in his first wife, and and, and his first was, wife. Yeah. There,
2: there was a. It, I thought it was it was so well produced. It was so well. It was so well made. It was yeah. so respectful.
1: So respectful.
2: And and it it makes me a little teary eyed because there there was such a a graciousness to it, and mm-hmm. and even with so much sadness. But you know, you kind of wonder how how other comedians look at, at, you know, each other and, and are they colleagues? Are they, are they competitors? How, you know, what, what the kind of situation was and, and there was so much love, such, such obvious love, um, amongst his, his colleagues that that you want to see that and, and to listen to them talk about his life. And even though he, he has been gone for a little bit, um, to see that it's still so raw. And yeah, so I think that was a personal. hard one for everyone. Yeah,
1: that was a really hard one for everyone. I love that bit they show it from uh, James Lipton's show, mm-hmm. um, uh, where he says to him, "You know what's what the hell is going on inside mm-hmm. your mind mm-hmm. to work at such a frantic pace and and to try to explain that and make some sense of that." I, I think I got a, a good idea after mm-hmm. this of that he was special and mm-hmm. he was really unique. But but to get up and do what he did and also. Knowing, and I learned this from the documentary because I was always around him professionally, but personally, you know, I didn't hang out with Robin, but, but he was probably kind of quiet and kind of introspective. And what Billy Crystal says in right. the movie is sometimes he was kind of sad and tragic. Yeah. And uh, they would leave phone messages for yeah. each other, funny phone messages in different characters to each other. But uh, listen, I'm just going to bring up a couple of his movies um, Aladdin. Uh, Awakenings with Robert De Niro. By the way, when Aladdin came out, the animated film from Disney, Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of talk about him getting an Oscar nomination, being the first animated voice. Yeah, It didn't happen. Mm -hmm. They haven't quite gone there yet. But but that was such a frantic, crazy performance in a really great animated film. Um, I go all the way back to The Fisher King, which is a Terry Gilliam film with Jeff Bridges, Mm -hmm. and and that's a dramatic Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. He was kind of the first... Maybe not the first, but the first to cross over from television mm-hmm. and comedy uh, into movies. Mm-hmm. And a lot of actors and comedians wanted to do that and they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. But he did it. And he did very, I mean, look at Goodwill Hunting.
2: I was going to say. I mean, you, that's a great performance. Goodwill Hunting, uh, Good Morning Vietnam, yeah. a, a Dead Poet Society,
1: God, Dead Poet Society,
2: Birdcage. Birdcage,
1: posse, posse, posse. Cage. <laughs> I love Birdcage so. much. I, th- I think Birdcage is directed by Mike Nichols, who is, yeah. you know, married. Oh, I just Mike Nichols did The Graduate and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. He did Awakenings with Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. A lot of people forget that film. True story about, you know, people that come out of comas and they mm-hmm. and and the drugs that they had for a while to help them come out and 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 then go back into a coma it was a really fascinating movie and one one hour photo just scared oh, so the ever-loving daylight out of me and he was in a film with Al Pacino where he was a bad guy too he was a killer and uh and I, and I, I just look at him, and I was always kind of amazed by him. And then he'd make a whole bunch of bad movies for a while. He did a whole bunch of just <laughs> well, unwatchable, kind of, you, you know, <laughs> road trip movies. You know, where he's a dad in a van or something like that. And just,
2: there was something though that I really liked, and that is in trying to understand how, how, the mind of a genius. And you do you hear about these actors that kind of go into their their role so much. I think Daniel Day-Lewis, you've always said, has, it's completely becomes that character. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like, like there was a lot of that with Robin Williams also, that when he took on a character, he became that. And it's almost maybe because it was more, it was easier to live the movie life than his real life.
1: I think they say that it was, it it was easier for him to be in the movies and playing a character than to just be Robin Williams. And that, you know, that's, that's kind of a hard demon to deal with because you spend more time by yourself than you do in the movies, right? And and to be able to not deal with that very well was was hard. And and the, and the kind of daddy was, you know, when Zach, <clears throat> excuse me, talks about, you know, my dad would be gone for half a year, mm-hmm. you know, three quarters of a year, and sometimes he was around more and sometimes less, and that was always kind of heartbreaking for him because mm-hmm. they loved their dad and they wanted to be around him, and he mm-hmm. was fun and funny and 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 played with them on their level, which I, I think is a very I didn't know that about mm-hmm. him. I, you always expect him to be fun and funny with everyone, but what you don't expect is him to be like a good, serious dad. And he was. I mean, there were some really, really, really cool things going on. So I, I think that's a great career. There's also a little bit in there where he was on Broadway with Steve Martin, and they both did Waiting for Godot. Mm-hmm. And I remember when they did that. I, I, didn't, I didn't see it on Broadway, but I was kind of fascinated by mm-hmm. that because I've seen Waiting for Godot, and it's not easy to sit through. It's, it's so esoteric and interesting. And they took it into shtick. And they were, you know, I would have loved to have seen that and made that. So, yeah, it's the great career of Robin Williams.
2: It's a really, really, as I said, I think it's fantastically made, well-produced, really beautiful, beautiful film. So I highly, highly recommend if if you...
1: Come inside my mind. It's on HBO. It's on demand. It's it's free, yeah.
2: It's great. But as you kind of alluded to at the beginning, you did. You had a very dear kind of relationship, friendship, you know, from interviewing him over the years. You've told me fantastic stories about him over the years. Tell me a few.
1: Well, when he died by suicide, it was so devastating. I I don't get goofy when celebrities die, yeah. you know. I mean, there's a few you get a little connected to. But over the thousands of interviews, you know, I probably interviewed Robin for every movie I mentioned earlier, or that we've mentioned, mm-hmm. I've interviewed him for and gone all over the world to talk to him and, and been all over the place. But so he shared a, he shared a, an odd relationship with my oldest with our oldest daughter Corinne, my oldest daughter Corinne, mm-hmm. and and uh, he would they've never met, but they would share notes. So when Corinne was little, you're going to go see Mr. Williams this weekend. I think he's really funny. Can I write him a note? And that's how it started. Mm-hmm. So she wrote him a note, and I gave it to him, and he wrote a note back to her. So every time I'd see him, they'd exchange notes through me, and it became this very endearing, really cool thing Mm -hmm. and then uh, um, so that was kind of cool once I'm in an interview with him and he stops me and says Gary do Kermit the Frog for me because somebody on the crew had told him that I could do a pretty good Kermit the Frog so it's Robin Williams live on camera asking me to do an impression and I'm intimidated but um so I did it. I started singing as Kermit the Frog, and he starts singing as Miss Piggy, and it goes on for about <laughs> 10 minutes. Most of it you couldn't put on television. And it, sorry, I mean, he just looked at me and said, Gary, do Kermit the Frog, and I just went, Why are there so many songs about rainbows? What's on the other side? It's Robin Williams, okay. And we just had this really great relationship. I loved being a straight man to his comedy guy because... You would always have about ten minutes, and you always have the first few minutes in conversation with him that was serious. And he would look you in the eye, and you could ask him anything. And then, if you push the right button, he'll fly around the room, and you have to be ready for it. And that's really intimidating for I would say ninety percent of the journalists mm-hmm. that interview him. I remember walking down every time I, no matter what hotel in the world. Where I would be in the world to interview Robin Williams for another film I I could walk down the hallway at the end of the hallway I could hear him at the other end in the room screaming and yelling and doing all kinds of funny bits with a journalist who's in there terrified right? because they, they're just they, can't handle, they it. can't handle it and I just loved that I loved setting him up and doing that he was a legendary joke stealer and you would I, I asked other comics over the years who's the number one Joke, And before I could get that sentence out, they'd say Robin Williams. And some of them were pretty hacked off about yeah. it. So he stole all the material. So here's what he did. I'm in an interview. I remember I'm in New York, and I'm sitting there interviewing him for a film. And I'm trying to set him up. And we, we would always talk about musicals. And we would sing like Ethel Merman together. Hello, I got a feeling. And we'd start singing. So I threw him, uh, I threw him a, a comedy bit. I said, it's kind of like uh, the Broadway version of Anaconda which is a giant snake movie yes. with John Voight and, and Owen Wilson <laughs> and J-Lo. And he just about fell on the floor and laughed for about three minutes. And I start singing, condo where the snake comes creeping down the l-, And he's singing it and he's going on. <laughs> the next night I turn on the television and he's on Letterman. And he looks at Letterman and says, it's like the musical version of Anaconda. Anaconda where the snake... T- and I went, Robin Williams stole a joke from me. He stole from me and I loved... It. I was so proud of that. He always made fun of what you were wearing. When you walked into a room, Robin Williams would go, what are you wearing, the couch fabric today? No matter what you were wearing. And he was always wearing something louder yes. and weirder than you could ever wear. And I, I, he would do that to kind of just disarm you when you came in. Yeah. And he knew what he was doing, and he was wickedly, wickedly funny. I love, I love the notes with Corinne. I love that he stole a joke. I, I love the idea that he could riff on anything and turn it into a musical. Yeah. So that, yeah. Fast. I miss him. I just, miss him I a mean, lot. his yeah. how
2: you would he. It's almost like he could do improv with uh, uh, better than anyone else. If like you he could throw something if you at him and he could take it. Think you're
1: quick at all? Yeah. Just take it into the stratosphere and hang on for dear life. And and I, I always really uh, not prided myself, but maybe a little bit to be able to at least hang with the quickness with him was always fun for me. Yeah. Not on a comedy level, but just to keep up with him and to throw him more stuff. God, I love throwing him stuff. It was just great. Now, I mean, even Good Morning Vietnam, I just love that stuff. That's just great stuff. It's the great Robin Williams. Yep.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. Not fun to talk about. Yeah. It's a great
1: documentary. Come inside my mind and just look at it and learn a lot from it. It's a tragic, tragic loss. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for sharing that. You're you're welcome.
2: So when we come back, why don't we toast his life with a country that lives life to its fullest? Can we? Yes. Let's talk about one of my favorite places in the world. I want a new place for you. Let's talk about Spain.
1: And we will be right back. Haley, you know, we love sharing new wine discoveries with the people who listen to this podcast.
2: Absolutely. And we found that... The best wines often come from winemakers with a passion, making their products from premium fruit in small batches, often only a few barrels, which makes them incredibly hard to find.
1: And that's why we want you to know about Wine Access. They make it so easy to find delicious, and I like the word, handcrafted wines, that you're going to love. And they're from all over the world, like California favorites from Philippe Melka and Steve Mathiason.
2: Yes, like that gorgeous, full-bodied Moonsai Heinz Vineyard Chardonnay we had the other night from Philippe. yeah rich, complex, but a really beautiful line of acidity straight through, keeping the wine fresh, balanced, Oh, I was over the moon. Yeah. Oh, for moon <laughs> over moonside! Over moonside! Hey,
1: Wine Access is a team of wine experts who taste thousands of bottles every year. Not just one person. It's a whole group. And from well-known wineries to those little hidden gems that we love to taste.
2: Absolutely. The Wine Access team only selects the very best to offer us wines that over deliver in value, tasting as though they cost twice as much. And what I love is they share the full story with you on their website, where the wine comes from, what makes it so special.
1: And that's why we want you to try Wine Access too. So we've arranged on exclusive limited time offer that you're gonna get 20% off these great wines that already over deliver on price. And you can order as many bottles as you like. But to take advantage of this offer, you must go now to our special URL. It's WineAccess.com slash Cogill. As
2: Gary said, this offer won't last long, so you have to order now to get this fantastic 20% off deal. For full details, go to our special website, WineAccess.com slash Cogill.
1: WineAccess.com slash Cogill. C-O-G-I-L-L.
2: Welcome back to Cogill Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. Gary and I recently returned from a fantastic trip to Barcelona, as well as spending a day in Cava Land with Freshenet and their tiny production sister winery, Cansala. You know, one of my earliest wine trips to Spain was with the Ferrer family, having an in-depth, hands-on assemblage or blending experience with Ciguravius, the sister winery to Freshenet. Um, I've talked about Segura Vitas yeah. a lot on the show. It was my first experience in Spain and have had a chance to return to the country over the years, tasting through Rioja, Toro, Priorat, Roberto del Duero, Galicia, my truffle hunting trip in Somontano. You went
1: truffle hunting. Enjoying
2: one of my favorite meals of all time outside of Bilbao. It's I'm always struck by the beauty of Spain, the generous hospitality of the people there and the true lust for life that I have always felt the Spaniards have. I I love it. I I yeah. I'm just I I think that it's one of the the most interesting ex, exciting places in the world and I love that Spaniards gather in the middle of the day at street cafes and enjoy their gin and tonics or their vermouths, and they're chattering about their day's events. There's always life. There's always conversation. There's a celebration. Dinner starts at nine o'clock. Just that you you start dinner at at nine p.m. You you finish at two a.m. There you you have you know little tapas. You have big vats of paella. It's I just I, I think it's just a magical place, and and again there's just this energy and. This lust for life that that I find so endearing and exciting, and why I was so excited for you to to have a an experience yeah, yeah, I got to go and and join me in Barcelona. How how was it for you?
1: Well, I say this to people all the time that when Haley goes on these trips, um, it's a lot of times it's not good for me to go with her because she might be tasting two, three hundred bottles of wine a day. And that that's different, and yeah. you can do that, and I, I don't do that. It's very work. Well. It's my work. Yeah, but so to join you at the end of a trip, which is what happened, and and to be there in Barcelona. So a, a couple things that are in my mind. It's such a stunning city, and it's a great walk-in city, mm-hmm. and and but all the all the corners are rounded. Yes, I I was just kind of blown away by the architecture of how the city was built. That that the blocks, you know, when you go from block to block, or you're walking from block to block, every corner is rounded, and you know the. I want to call them the lanais, but the balconies yeah. are, are rounded right. around the buildings, and, and I,
2: nothing is too high. Everything is built. It's pretty. I think that pretty there's short. a yeah. There's a, a kind of a restriction when you're in the actual kind of city mm-hmm. um, of how high a building can actually. Yeah, be built.
1: eight ten stories yeah. maybe. Yeah, maybe yeah. Uh, but also, uh, so what's great about traveling with Haley is she found a great place for us to stay. And we had a rooftop balcony. That was fantastic. So we had a rooftop balcony in Barcelona, looking down the street one way, looking down the street the other way, looking out over the city straight ahead. And it's, just, it, it's, you know, when you, when you do that and you go to a hotel and you want to sit in cafes, so we do that. But also you want to. Get some cheese, some fromage, yeah. and some wine, and and sit on the deck and just watch the sun go down, and then go out to dinner yeah. afterwards, which was really fantastic. Have
2: manchego and cava. Which so we, we did a
1: lot. We eat. We ate the first night in a cafe. I still can't remember the name of it that we walked to and found on the street, and it's kind of like in cities where you visit. You do. You walk around. And you find a cafe, and you go, oh, that one. And they were getting full and it's hard to get top, in. Yeah,
2: it was a little tapas, little top It was a little one. tapas
1: joint, and uh, that's memorable for me because that food was great. Yeah. And then they said, "We've got a window. We've got a window."
2: She was so sweet. She's we had to wait. A little our our yeah. adorable hostess um, offered us a table, but then there was this tiny little like like window bench. bench yeah, uh, I'm like no, that's exactly where I want to be. I want to feel the right. energy of this place right by the bar. Bring it out Our little pinchos And our tapas And all the and-
1: staff Would kind of meet behind <laughs> yeah. us Where a lot of times a restaurants You want to get away From all that You want to be In the middle of that yeah. In a city like Barcelona And watching the staff Work and interact With everybody You know A waiter, waitress, hostess Thing yeah. Is interesting to watch In yeah. other cities And how they do that Plus it's a, You know It's a language barrier But it was fun And then we walked uh, To the Sagrada Familia yeah. And I will never forget that because it, 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 where we were staying was walking distance of just about everything. We walked to the ocean. We walked to the ocean exactly. and sat sat there and you know had margaritas and yeah. you know, we
2: had sangria.
1: Yes, we did we have sangria. We did have a margarita. Well, and and we had something else yes. too. You know, but the Sagrada Familia is started. I think construction in 1882. It's scheduled to be finished in 2026. Oh. It's all that kind of grew out of the design of Gaudi. Yes. And it's very, it, well, it's gothic and odd yeah. because you have all these weird bulbous things. It's
2: fascinating to see, you know, when you go from one side to the other to see the yeah. the construction that started hundreds of years it's ago. It's a Roman
1: Catholic cathedral. To, to see it, it? Yeah. yes.
2: And then it, as it's over the years, it's kind of kept the same idea, but gotten a lot more modern. You could tell just how the architecture, the the advances in architecture that you can have now right. versus, but it's, it's fascinating. And it's the most fascinating. I don't know that there's, well, I, I will guarantee there's no other church in europe that looks like this but if you think about traditional you know kind of romanesque churches
1: mm-hmm.
2: this is not that and that's no what not I at find. all so it almost looks i mean it looks like a it looks like a tree house it looks like a witch's house in places it, it looks, looks
1: like an anthill yeah <laughs> like a weird exotic yeah. anthill uh-huh. but it's i don't know how tall it is but it's 50 60 yeah. stories yeah I mean, it's really big, and and there's probably 20 different spires going out of it that are that tall, and then a huge one in the middle that still is not quite topped off yet. I, I, I'm fascinated by it. And and to be able to walk over there and watch all the people around it in the little park around it, which just... And then, of course, you walk back and then try to find another tapas bar and cafe. We and found
2: a out. lovely little paella spot. I liked it a lot. You have, you have to have paella. <laughs> yes. And it South was great. Border. And we walked around the Bucurillo, which I love, their market. I think that the it's one of the best markets I've, I've ever seen in the world of everything from from seafood that's right, you know, cuts directly out of the Mediterranean Meat. to all of those spices, to all. All that meat and all that meat cheese everywhere. and ham everywhere. You have you have Iberico coming out your ears yes. everywhere. Um, it,
1: I mean, just absolutely fascinating. One thing and I then loved, we got a, we had a little uh, little paella or a we little, did.
2: We had a little. Yes, it was a lot of you,
1: tricked out paella. It was, was, was <laughs> really tricked out.
2: It was, yes, because there was some vermicelli in it, which I don't know that I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> And with in, in um, with Paella. one thing I loved that I had always wanted to do, and and on my previous trip to Barcelona hadn't, um, that I'm so glad we did was mm-hmm. go to the Picasso Museum, because I think that we we've talked about geniuses, obviously mm-hmm. talking about Robin being a genius, Picasso is obviously a genius, and and his style was there's there's never been or probably will ever be anyone like him, but what I loved about what the Picasso Museum taught me was his progression and and that at such a young age, he could paint um, in a very traditional way like the masters of the time, but mm-hmm. then to watch his progression over the years of finding his own voice and finding his own style.
1: His own, his abstract, his, his cubism, yeah. all that. Yeah. To He freed himself up at some point mm-hmm. to not be what everybody else was doing, Wanted but to be, do what right. he was genius. Right. And he would start these, you know, he would start a painting and never, never let that pencil or that chalk leave the canvas, and complete it all without. I mean, I'm just fascinated, fascinated. by that. Yeah, and i still not can't figure out all of Picasso, but it makes more sense when right. you're there. Right. You know, in his life, there you're you're alluding to. There's a there's a National Geographic series mm-hmm. that Ron Howard produced on with Antonio Banderas, Picasso. We, we need to work yeah. through that. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah, going to the Picasso Museum was. I mean, it was great. Yeah. And the gift shop was awesome. <laughs> it was. And watching you buy a dress near the Bucaria yeah. was really, really fun. So thank you for that. It was just really, you know, Barcelona,
2: again, so much energy, so much yeah. excitement in life. But and
1: going to Cava with you, that was, that was really special because we, we were picked up in a car. Yes. And driven for about an hour in, out in, in, in the countryside. Us. And I yeah. just want to see what all that looks like.
2: And bridges, you know,
1: the mountains there, Montserrat. I think
2: it's so beautiful. And, and you are, you're about an hour outside of Barcelona and you have the, the the Cava producing region of the world, um, made with the Perlada and Macabeo and Chorello grapes and, I I love seeing vineyards. I think when I did my Segura Vudis trip, it was in the kind of winter time and so the vines were barren and so it was great to see. They're so close to harvest right now. It is yeah. a very hot year. Harvest is moving up. So when we were there it was it was very, very close to harvest. Um, this is dry, you know, dusty red soils, rocky soils, driving Um, around in a
1: four wheeler, driving
2: around in a four wheeler, seeing these vineyards. Uh, I, I love that and seeing grapes on vines always makes me excited. Um, and I was particularly excited to visit this kind of tiny production, um, winery that the Fresh Nut the Ferrer family has started called called Consala. What I loved about this, it is, it's tiny, tiny production. I wanna say they make like like twelve hundred cases a year. Mm -hmm. Um, if any gets to the US it's just a tiny, tiny bit, which is very sad because I think it's one of the, the best bubbles that that I've ever had. I
1: think it's the best cava I've ever had. Absolutely. And one of the best bubbles I've ever yeah.
2: had. And yeah. And I mean and and it is. It's it's made in the traditional method. We've talked about prosecco where it's very very fun and flirty and vibrant and you want to drink a prosecco early on whereas the the cavas are produced just like they do in champagne, second fermentation in the bottle. Um, the age is what kind of adds to the texture and richness of the wine, but the Consala wines made from I want to say it's a minimum of of sixty year old vines, um, and that's that's pressed in a champagne press that the Ferrer family originally acquired one hundred and fifty years ago. It's which was sitting also right there. So cool to see it's old wood um, and gears. Yeah, and and. Um, it's aged to to produce a reserve a cava in Spain. I want to say the the minimum aging requirement is three years. They do eight, eight um, years in the bottle in the bottle, and so just that adds that texture and that richness and that toasty, nutty brioche kind of flavor that you expect the beauty of these Spanish grapes the Chorello in particular as well as the perilta they there's so much freshness there's so much acidity there's so much um, vibrancy in that fruit so that that it can handle aging that long just like you would a classic champagne um, the winery was actually kind of started in as a gift that one of the founders of the freshenette, um her son kind of created this pr- product in honor of her and her memory just because freshna really is the, became the leading color producer in the world um and and kind of a gift to the brand it's the consola winery is actually in the basement of of her home yeah so we were in this you know kind of old family home which was also kind and of the cool kids came out and, and, and we're, the, we're yeah leaving. i think the yeah. little little kind of who watches the home we saw, met all of their uh, i mean we're tasting basically in their living room which yeah. was yeah. which was also when a,
1: a you say console it's c-a-n-s-a-l-a C-A-N yes console, so, like, like
2: uh, cancel okay and um I just it's also I loved that it was made in in a very natural mitz brute nature, so no mm-hmm. zero dosage, so super vibrant, super fresh. Um, you really taste the land and the fact that and it's all done traditionally, like they're hand riddling those those bottles, they're hand disgorging those bottles, they're they everything is made as it as it has always been made in Kava Land. And and I just love that. I love I, I, that tour was it great. Was, it was great, and our we tour were, guide was. We were very I cannot lucky thank to exactly him. them, um, the whole Fresh Night team, so much as well as as well as my dear friend, Eva Bertran with Gloria Ferrer, who which is the sister winery mm-hmm. and and Carneros that um, kind of helped set everything up. Really special. Um, as I said, it's there's not a lot produced of the Cancella wines. Um, If you can find one, though, you'll be very, very excited. Made in, as I said, the kind of a brute nature method. Lots of citrus, lots of tangerine notes, but also that lovely line of kind of toasty nuttiness Mm -hmm. and brioche. And smooth. And so... Fresh and smooth yeah. and, and really, really, really it. So we did
1: a little bit, uh, we, they put us in one of the, uh, it looked like uh, a Disney World cart.
2: When we went to fresh and we Yeah, went So to fresh then Net. we kind of had a complete opposite. So you take this tiny, tiny production. How many production. bottles in that place? Over oh, a million. At least. We saw yes. a million bottles. So we went from cellar. tiny, tiny production can solid yeah. to then the, you know, the, the, Top of them all, right. the fresh Nut factory. And it's it's huge. They make a lot.
1: I've never seen that many bottles. <laughs> they make a lot.
2: lot of wine. Yeah. But again, it's still made in the traditional method. There's yeah. still It's made from traditional grapes, made um, in the traditional methods. So aging those bottles uh, for uh, kind of depending upon which one of their wines. And we had a few of their kind of uh, premium single variety kind of uh, a few of the, the wines that unfortunately we can't get in the U S but were really fun yeah. to try um, kind of highlighting how, how every, every winery has their entry level that you can find everywhere, but then to see kind of some of these a little bit more, um, refined and a little bit uh, exclusive was was really fun and and I also just love you know to sit down and and have a have a little manchego a little ham on with with our our fantastic guy, Jeff. Um, was was just really fun. That was, that was a,
1: thank you for taking me. Yeah,
2: and to see those vineyards and to, and to, have, and to taste the land in those wines. If so you're special.
1: listening to this, it's so awesome being married to a wine. <laughs> it's kind of awesome.
2: We had a really special day. It was that, very, very, it was, it was awesome.
1: And that is, that consala is the best cava I've ever tasted in my life. Next time on Kogel Wine and Film, a perfect pairing, more great films, and more great pairings.
2: For more on the film we talked about today about Robin and our trip to Spain, please be sure to follow our blog on CogillConsulting.com or through Facebook. We'll include some fabulous photos from Rodea and Cavaland. I'm excited to, because, yeah, as I said, it was, it was pretty magical. But also be sure to follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill. And to see what we're drinking now, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Court.
1: And with that, I'm Gary Cogill, always looking for the next great film.
2: And I'm Haley Hamilton Kogel, always in search of a great glass of wine.
1: Join us next time on Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing.
0: Aloha. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards.